this year I decided for the first time that I was going to embrace Valentine's Day. That's the, it's a shocker. For those that know me, that's a shocker. But so I decided I was going to embrace it and couldn't, I could not decide whether to get Judith six roses or 12. And eventually I decided to give her the whole tin. <laughs> Jamie's walking out. <laughs> Jamie, you're, you're the one that I rely on. You're the one that I rely on, man. Let me pray. Um, Father, forgive me for what I've just done. Uh, yeah, God, thank you for thank you for what we sang. God, thank you for uh, God what this what this could mean. God, what this could how this could transform our lives and those around us. God, if we fully took hold of what we sang this morning. Um, so God, I just pray as you search our hearts and you know our hearts, God, you know how hard and how easy it was for us to sing the songs, but thank you that we're here this morning. Thank you that we've shown up and thank you that that's, uh, sometimes that's all you, you need. You need us to show up. And so God, we do that again as we come to your word. We just, uh, we just want to be present to what it is that you're saying. God, we want to be present to the challenge. God, we want to be present to, uh, to the hope. We want to be present to it all. Um, and so, God, I pray that anything that, uh, God, in the most supernatural of ways, anything that is not of you, God, I pray that it would just be forgotten. The Holy Spirit, I just pray and ask, God, that you would speak. God, you would speak in this moment, God, but as we continue the conversations that would be fueled from this, that you would still continue uh, to speak. Um, yeah, so we just offer ourselves to you. We offer our hearts and minds to you in this moment. Um, yeah, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, you love us. Thank you, you're for us. And um, we, lean, we lean into that, everything else. God, we build on that foundation. Amen. Amen. Just so just so you know, it was uh, just in case anybody is interested or was was caught by the what I mentioned last week about what's going on in Asbury, Kentucky. It's still going. Um, I had a friend actually who was there over the weekend, um, and and said it was absolutely amazing, but so ordinary. And I love that. Seems like a perfect way, just to, like. It's amazing what's going on, but it's just ordinary people worshiping and laying down their lives, confessing and repenting. And um, and the beautiful thing is that it's that it's spread. And so the problem is sometimes you go onto social media and you read the the skeptics, and maybe that's maybe it's not everything, but I still am maintaining that it is something. And um, and so in Samford University and Cedarville University, uh, God is doing something there as well. And people have, for the last number of days, in those places have been crying out to the Lord in much the same way. Um, so be encouraged, and that's why I echo uh, Paul's um, plug and Neville's announcement that, uh, that, you would, that you would be here tonight as we simply just want to continue to create a space for 
for us to worship and um, do what the Lord wants to do among us here. Last week, uh, so big picture, the last from the start of the year, we have been uh, considering how we steward what has been entrusted to us, what has been given, namely our time, um, our treasure, our money, our resources, and our talent, our gifts. We've been talking uh, mostly from the start of the year about our time, um, and we made a brief introduction last week to what we're going to do over the next number of Sundays around our treasure and how we be faithful, how we steward well what has been entrusted to us. So if you remember last week, it's the first mention of this word tithing um, in the Bible in Genesis 14, where Abraham gives a tenth of everything that he has uh, to this Jesus-type character that is mentioned uh, in Genesis 14, Melchizedek. Um, and so Genesis is a place that, for those that were part of uh, our journey through the book of Genesis over the last number of Wednesdays, uh, I can't help but still be, be struck and caught by some of uh, the language, some of the heart and the desire of God that is made clear right from the very beginning. And what is made clear right from the very beginning is found in Genesis 12, verse 2. And it's this call that um, Abraham heard from God to go, to give up, to, to move away from all of his comforts, to move away from everything that he knew in order to go to where the Lord, to where God was calling him with this promise that I will bless you so that you will be a blessing. And some of that is really foundational to what we're going to do, over the, to, we're going to consider over the next number of weeks. Keep coming back to this. I will bless you. That is the heart and the promise of God to Abraham. And I think it still remains today. I will bless you so that you will be a blessing. That is the heart of God. The promise went on to say that all the families of the earth will be blessed through you. That was the call to Abraham. And I still think it is for us as the church. For those of us that make up this, this body, um, those of us that have uh, said yes to Jesus, I think the call is still the same. I will bless you, church, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless you, church, so that all the families of the earth will be blessed through you. God has always, from the very beginning, um, just in case you've ever heard differently, I promise you, God has always wanted to bless mankind heart that was his heart from the start and it has not changed he has always wanted to bless all of humanity and so when it comes to sort of the tension of this conversation around what we own our stuff i was um conscious it was like this it was a joke at the risk of sounding irreverent it was almost like replaying um conversations i've had with god over the last number of years when it comes to finances or when it comes to money, maybe not even conversations, but just like posture of my heart. We're singing, here I am, here my Lord, all of me. But actually, here my Lord, all of me, but the money's mine, leave that to me. I'll sort that out. Take 
take my life, take all of me, um, but don't touch. I'm not ready to, to give you my stuff. And, and so I just come to realize that, our, that what we've been given, our stuff, our possessions, what we own, um, is something to, uh, it's, a, it's a blessing. It is a blessing to enjoy and, a, and to steward. And that's really good. But you know what the problem is? And I have discovered this, and I'm, I'm willing to hazard a guess that many of you have discovered it. Not only is it a blessing for us to enjoy and for us to steward, but it is also the primary way that our hearts become distracted and our hearts become seduced um, away from living in the blessing of God. That's almost wanted to hold, to hold that. And it's just, is that fair? Is that like... Is that f- fair to say? What we have, our stuff, our possessions, our, our finances, whatever you want to put that under, it is a blessing that we, that we get to enjoy and steward, but equally, it is the primary way. Maybe for some of us, it's not the primary way. I think for me, it's the primary way that it, my heart is distracted and seduced um, away from living in the blessing of God. And so again, I'm going to keep repeating myself because I want, the, I want the, the big picture to be in our minds, to know that from the beginning that God always want a, wanted a family. That's why he called Abraham to be, called Abraham and his family to get up and go so that he would be the father of many. That was the, his name was changed from Abraham, exalted father, to Abraham, father of many. And so it was the heart of God that he would have a family to steward his blessing and bring it to the world. And that's why I love being part of the church. That's why I love being part of this family. Because I recognize that even now today, thousands of years later from this call on Abraham and his family, that God still wants a family to steward his blessing and bring it to the world. To bring it to this to our, to our communities, to bring it to our village, to bring it to our towns and cities, nations and beyond. And so I suppose, I don't know if we posed it directly as we talked about time, what are you, what are you doing with the time that you've been given? And I suppose I want to ask the same question when it comes to our treasure. What are you doing or what are you going to do? Maybe is a good question for some of us. What are you going to do with what you have been given? That's why I want you to know that as we talk about this, that um, I don't think that we are interested. Pretty sure we're not interested in amounts, in amounts that you give. I'm definitely sure that I do, this conversation, I don't want it to add a burden to people. But my heart for you and my heart for all of us is as I wrestle with the scriptures, wrestle with the heart of God, is that this is not to tie us up. This is not to put a burden on us. This is not for us to feel guilty about how much or how little we give. This conversation is about living in the blessing of God. But recognizing that he wants to bless us in order to be a blessing. And so that's why there's a certain freedom. Like I, I think you heard it in me last week, and maybe we haven't talked about it loads here. Um, but there's a freedom, I feel, that, that I'm, I'm not doing this. So I hope you don't, if you walk away feeling, feeling guilty or condemned or feel like a burden has been added to you, I want to like strongly suggest that you haven't heard me this morning. 
that my heart in all of this is that how do we live in the blessing of God? And, um, and so as we've talked about sharing our time and our treasure, that's our, that's our heart. And so let me, let, me, uh, let me try to land some thoughts um, in a few places in Luke's gospel. I'm going to read verses. Uh, again, um, the risk of assuming that you're familiar with this story, I'm still going to read Luke chapter 9. Um, and verses 10 to 17. On the return, the apostles told Jesus all that they had done. So Jesus has sent, um, Jesus has sent the 12, uh, give them power and authority and sent them into the towns and villages um, to bring hope and healing to the communities that they were in. Um, and so on the return, they told Jesus all they had done and he took them with him uh, withdrew privately to a city called Bethesda. Um, but the crowds found out about it, and they followed him, and he welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who needed to be cured. The day was drawing to a close, and the twelve came to him and said, Send the crowd away so that they may go into the surrounding villages and countryside to lodge and get provisions, for we are here in a deserted place. But he said to them, you give them something to eat. They said, we have no more than five loaves and two fish, unless we are to go and buy food for all these people. For there were about 5,000 men. And he said to his disciples, make them sit down in groups of about 50 each. And they did so and made them all sit down. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and blessed and broke them and gave them to the disciples to set before the crowd. And all ate and were filled, and what was left over was gathered up 12 baskets of broken pieces. I'm sure there's lots we could uh, unpack in that short, um, that short story. But essentially what I heard as I read that again uh, just last night was the disciples looked out and seen a need, seen people who were hungry, seen people who weren't going anywhere. And so they came to Jesus and said, Jesus, you need to do something about this. And I love Jesus' response. I think I love it. I love it because he said it to the disciples. I don't know if I'd love it so much if he said it to me. Jesus, you need to do something about this. I imagine myself saying, and Jesus saying, no, you do something. And that's what he said. Imagine the moment, the disciples in front of all of these thousands of people with five loaves and two fish and they come to Jesus and say, Jesus, you do something. And Jesus turns to them and says, no, you do something. And I wonder how often we, whether this story, whether this is uh, something to do with finances or what we give, just that idea of um, we, we come to Jesus saying, Jesus, you need to do something about this. When all along he has empowered and entrusted us and would say to us, no, you do something. And so I'm just so struck by this story because, again, you'll be like this, this miracle is um, it's remarkable, it's huge. We become so familiar with it that we, we miss how crazy this, this was. So when Jesus says to them, no, you do something, I reckon Jesus knows what he's about to do. But he is inviting them into stewarding the resources from heaven. 
He is inviting them to participate in stewarding the resources from heaven. But that still requires us to bring what we have. It still requires us to bring, like, it almost feels embarrassing to have, you imagine, to have thousands of people that need fed that are going nowhere, and you come with five bits of bread and two fish. Like, if that was me, I wouldn't even offer that. That is, like, how ridiculous to offer five loaves of bread to that amount of people. I just became so struck by that again this week. And again, we've maybe, you've maybe heard this before. This, what he wants to do in order pouring out the resources from heaven, inviting us in to participate with him, it still requires us bringing what we've got, regardless of how small, regardless of how meager or whatever insignificant the offering seems to be. And I think that is an important lesson for us. He still blesses what seems like an insignificant offering. And I love what's going on in this story. Because it just seems so overwhelming. And even before Jesus performs this miracle, his, his, uh, his invitation to participate is even in the breaking it down to smaller bits. So they're overwhelmed by the size of the crowd. And Jesus says, right, gather them into 50s. Let's start here. Let's start with just breaking it down into what maybe seems a wee bit more manageable. You, you guys organize it. You sort it out. Actually, you prepare. You make preparation for what I can do in this, in this participating um, relationship. And they do. They sort them into 50s. I don't even know really did that. that make any difference. I think Jesus was just continuing to make sure they knew they were part of this. And they make preparation for what Jesus can do when we bring him all that we've got. And I, and I think that equally is a challenge for us today. That we would begin to make preparations with our time, but also as we talk about the next couple of weeks, with our finances, that we begin to make preparation for what Jesus can do when we bring him all that we've got. And then I'm struck again, forgive me if you've heard this or know this, but Jesus doesn't feed the crowd. He takes what they have given, he blesses their seemingly insignificant offering, and then he gives it back to them. And so I imagine, can you imagine, it's really, I've been trying to imagine this, my, some people in the room have better imaginations than me. Mine's really rubbish. But I've tried my best to imagine the, like one of the disciples standing around a group of 50. And maybe the, 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 the loaf of bread, one of them has maybe got a loaf of bread and had to cut it in two to give to one of the other 12. Maybe they've broken up the two fish and they've taken it. And they stand before a group of 50 people, or a few groups of, of 50 people with half a loaf of bread. And they begin to give it. And it just keeps multiplying in their hand. It doesn't run out. Can you imagine being part of that? So that seems to me that's what happens. Jesus doesn't feed them. Jesus gives the bread after he blesses it, gives it back to the disciples, and then they go and feed. And then crazily end up picking up 12 baskets left over. It's amazing. 
There's a story in Luke chapter 18. Um, Luke chapter 18 tells us of the, the rich young ruler. This, this guy, let me paraphrase um, really quickly, that he comes to the Lord, he recognizes that he's not living as fulfilled. He's watching Jesus, he's watching the disciples, and he recognizes that there's still something missing. And so he has this conversation with Jesus where he says, Jesus, what do I, what do I need to do to be part of this? What I need to do to experience all that's going on in and around you? And Jesus realizes that he's, like, he's kept all the commandments. He's done all the things that he's supposed to do, but yet he's still missing something. And Jesus says you need to give up everything, essentially. There's still one thing that you're lacking. Sell what you own and distribute the money the poor and you will have treasure in heaven then come and follow me and she'll be glad to know I don't think that is the invitation that I'm making for you all this morning because uh, I would be a hypocrite because I'm not doing that so I'd be a hypocrite if I was going to ask you but what it strikes me about the story is that money is not the problem it's this man's heart attachment to it that's the problem so money is not evil the love of money that is the root of all evil. It's our heart attachment to it. And so it wasn't that he owned the money. It was that money owned him. And so that's what we're going to talk about. That's what we're considering in this story. And it's what we're going to talk about more specifically probably over the next couple of weeks as we engage in some of Paul's writings, uh, particularly in Corinthians. But Jesus again said in Matthew chapter 6 that where your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be. And that's what, we're, that's what we're wanting to provoke. That's what we're wanting to get down to in this. The test case, the test case of what was going on in your heart. It almost feels like Jesus is saying, if you want to know what's going on in your heart, follow the money trail. What, are the, what, what is it that you give much value, most value to? Where your treasure is, that's where the desire of your heart is. So if we recognize that Jesus is identifying a heart attachment to money in the story of the rich young ruler, then this is really important for us to wrestle with. It's really important for us to, to, to be able to test ourselves. There's a challenge for us to test ourselves of what is going on in our hearts. Because where the treasure is, there you'll find your heart's desires. And that's what we're wanting to get at. But what I love about God is that he is willing to, to participate with us in the testing. So he's saying, like, test yourself in this. Test your heart. Test where your desires are. And we, we read in Malachi chapter 3 that God says, um, challenges the people that you've robbed me. And they're asking, how have you robbed me? And they're saying, you've withheld. You've withheld tithings. You've withheld the offerings. And my invitation is to you is, like, give. Give and see if I don't pour out a blessing. See, we're talking about the blessing of God here. We're talking about what it means to live in the blessing. And he says, see if I don't pour out a blessing from heaven. And then says this line, test me in this. The only time that God ever says it. Sometimes I ignore that because that's the Old Testament. I don't want to touch that, but it's the, it's the heart of God that we withhold our stuff. We withhold the things that have our heart from him. And it's like robbing him. 
what he said to the people in Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. So he's challenging us, right, test yourself, guys. And then he's willing to say, and I'm willing to be tested too. Give. I know it's difficult. I know you want to, I know you want to keep it. I know there's stuff that you want to hold on to. And that's a wisdom conversation, and that's why this really needs to be, we need to keep these conversations going. Um, so, uh, so, yeah, that's, that's important that we keep those wisdom conversations open and alive, but God seems to be up for us testing him. And so I'm not wanting to guilt people into their giving. I'm not wanting to make people feel guilty. I am wanting to invite you to be challenged. I am wanting you to test and follow the desires of your heart. I'm not even wanting to guilt you into making sure that you give your 10%. It is good advice. It is strongly encouraged and recommended, but we're more talking, we more want to talk about uh, how we are faithful and how we steward um, and are faithful with the 100%. With all of it, we don't want to just talk about giving the minimum amount required. That's where I've been, and I don't think there was freedom in that. I think my heart was disconnected from it. If your heart is disconnected from your giving, then it's, we need to ask, what's the point? And we will ask that. Um, we want to be faithful with our, our 100%. And so let me finish with this, uh, quickly with this story, the widow's offering in Luke chapter 21. Uh, he looked up, this is Jesus, and he saw rich people putting their gifts into the treasury. He also saw a poor widow put in two small copper coins. Um, he said, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all of them, for all of them have contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, has put in all that she had to live on. And I think that, like go back to what I've just said, I think that is what happens whenever your heart is disconnected from your giving. These rich people, they gave because they could. They gave because of their abundance where this woman gave. Um, she was faithful. She offered what she had in a different spirit. And some, of my, some of the challenges I have at times, and I think I've said it before, is how our chapters are divided. And so if Sometimes we'll read Luke chapter 20. That's, that's our day for reading Luke 20. And tomorrow we'll go to Luke 21. But this is all taking place in the same moment. And I think we maybe miss something whenever we don't go back and read the end of verse 20. Or, yeah, the end of chapter 20. Uh, in the hearing of all the people, Jesus again said to the disciples, Beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and love to be greeted with respect in the marketplace and have the best seats in the synagogues and places of honor at banquets. They devour widows' houses and for the sake of appearance, say long prayers, they will receive the greater uh, condemnation. And so it feels like in this moment, Jesus is teaching the disciples the danger of a faith that is focused only on the execution of rules. So these guys are following the rules. They're following the, everything that they've been told, instructed to the letter of the law. 
But it feels like Jesus is using this as a teaching moment to say this is what happens when your faith is only built or it only focuses on the execution of rules. See, in all of this, he's wanting to get to where your heart is, what your heart is attached to. And that's why he uses the example of this widow. Jesus is looking at the heart. Jesus is looking at your faithfulness in your offering. And I know that we're probably going using license here. It doesn't say it in this story. Um, but I, I'm, not, I'm not saying that you give all that you have to live on. I'm not sure that is what is being commended here. I do think that what is being commended here is that no matter what, she was faithful in her offering. Sometimes we wait to see what we have at the end before we offer. I, am, I have been guilty of that. There's a freedom when it comes whenever you offer your first fruits. And that is, and we'll talk about that over the next couple of weeks. And I think that is what this lady has done. Weeks that have been hard, weeks that have been challenging, not as much in the money jar, but she's faithful in her offering. And I do think, and maybe it feels like I'm trying to pack loads in here, um, but the rich people, their giving was transactional. We've talked about that before. I want to just move away from that completely. Transa like being transactional in relationship is just, it's just ugly. This thing is so unattractive to be in, in relationship that just is transactional. Um, whether it's with God or it's with one another, it is not healthy, it's not helpful. And I think that's the way the ri these rich people lived. They're giving, all that they did was transactional. I have done this, now you do that, where the widow was offering herself. That's why I've been moved by the songs that we've sang today because I've been thinking about that widow, that little widow that was just lit. It was two coins, but it was, it was, it, that wasn't even important. It was the fact that she was offering herself. She was truly able to sing, here am I, all of me. Take my life. It's all for you. And so it was the giving of herself. It was the offering of herself, I think, that Jesus was commending. And I just think that there is a danger. And I, again, I'm speaking from experience. It's quite challenging to speak from experience when it comes to talking about money. But there is a danger of just giving what is left over. Whether, that's in the, whether it's treasure or whether it's time or whether it's talent. Like we can do that with our time. Whatever's left over, I'll serve. Whatever's left over, I'll welcome people into my, whatever's left over. Um, and again, I know there's wisdom in lots of that. But the danger of giving our leftovers is that our faith is then something that we just add on to a life that is already filled. Our faith is just something that we add on to a life that we have already managed, that we have already sorted, that we have already got it all worked out. There is something, if we're talking about a life of faith, there is something um, more I think we're being invited to. And even King David himself used this this. Um, this line that he didn't want to offer to the Lord something that was that didn't cost him anything. It's going to cost, no matter what we're talking about in faith, whether it's your time, treasure, or talent, whether whether it's in loving people and serving people, whether it's being showing up in the community, whatever it is, whether it's parenting your kids, <laughs> whether whatever it is, it's going to require cost. It's going to require sacrifice. David had determined that he was not going to make an offering. He was not going to offer something that had cost him nothing. And so we, maybe there's part of me has maybe heard some of that, not loads, but just whispers of what's going on in these sort of 
places where the revival word is being used and people are longing and crying out, oh, if we could just get back to the New Testament church, the signs and wonders and the miracles and healings. And that, and that would be amazing. I'd love that. You know what I think? I'm not saying this to be like to be noble or pious, but like what, I, what I've always thought every time it talks about going back to the New Testament church, the first place that I go to is that everybody offered everything that they had and they laid it at the feet of the apostles in order to distribute because there was no, there was no needy persons among them. And I think whenever I consider the New Testament church, to get back to that, that's what I want to get back to. That we offer all that we have. We come with all that we are. We're, he's, he wants a family that will steward all that he has given in order to bless everyone. There is no needy persons among them. So some of this that we're going to talk about again over the next week or two is going to, is going to require and invite us and challenge us to rad, radical generosity. A radical hospitality that takes us beyond our comfort zone. And that is just a pattern of following Jesus. I'm sorry, but I don't think there's any other way around it. Um, but I love that he continues to participate with us and go with us and be with us. And the challenge of so much of this is that it is all, all of this, all that we're talking about with our time and especially with our treasure that we will continue to talk about um, works opposite to the way of the world. This is challenging because we're like we're we're in, we're right out in the world. We're involved. We're we're absorbing our culture all the time. That's where we spend most of our week. And then to step into this, I'm aware of the challenge. I feel like I fight this myself. That we're just it's just completely opposite the way the world works. What the world places value on what the world says that you give your heart to. So, is that all right? Follow with me? Please, like, honestly, this is something I want to still get, get wisdom on, still something that I want us to be challenged by. But hear my heart, this is about how we, this is not about you giving more money just for the sake of it. This is a giving in order to live in the blessing of God. My heart is for you to live there, to know that. Um, so, we, Father, thank you, for, um, thank you for this remarkable group of people. Thank you for the joy of uh, just recognizing that your heart is that you would call a family to steward your blessing to everyone. And so, God, we just recognize that that is the same that you've placed on us as this church, as this family. To steward what you've given, to work that out together, to refine and to challenge and to correct one another um, in order to steward, in order to bless uh, our families and our neighborhoods and our villages and towns and beyond. So, God, I thank you that you search our hearts and you know our hearts. Thank you this, this morning that we leave this place uh, and I pray that we would leave this place knowing fully that there's no guilt, condemnation for those in Jesus. So God, I pray that there be no sense of heaviness or burden on this. God, but we just want to wrestle with this together. We want to work this out well together. We acknowledge you said lots about this and we want to be faithful to what you've said and what you've instructed. 
to thank you that your heart is to continue to participate with us in seeing your kingdom come and your will being done on the earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen.